Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have Mark. Mark is the guitarist from Jag Panzer. How are you? Good. Doing good. Nice, crisp, cool day here in Colorado. So doing good. What's, it, what's the temperature there? Wow, let me look at my watch. I was going to guess, but it's on my watch, 37. Wow. I'm in New England, so I, I'm not even that crisp. I should be because it's New England. Probably like in the 50s, I think, right now. Wow, warmer really... than here. That's interesting. Very, very mild. Mild. Anyway, that's listening. This is old people talking, right? This is some old men talking about the weather because <laughs> <laughs> it really matters now. Yeah, seriously, it's been like a so far, it's been a very mild winter. I guess it's been awful everywhere else. But, you know, February's coming though, right? And that's when it gets yep. real ugly. So you have been in this band. You guys have been the band have been together for like 1981. So it's, that's, yeah. Is that mind blowing or what? It's just. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, I, three of us in the band have known each other since we were six years old. What? Yeah, they were in, uh, I had moved back, you know, I spent my very early years, my father was stationed over in Europe, in the army. So I came back, I think when I was five, and the other guys were six. And uh, yeah, our singer for Jag Panzer lived five, ho- five houses up the street. And our bass player lived uh, one street over. That is bananas. Yeah, I mean, so I... odds of that. <laughs> So I, you know, we came back in the summer, so I met him during the summer. And then in school, I think I was a kindergartner and they were first graders. Wow. That's crazy. And over the years, obviously you guys hung out and musical influences, but the odds of all of you guys having the amount of talent, because there's a lot of people that have friends that want to start bands with them. (laughs) Not everyone (laughs) has the talent to pursue that or in the group of all the friends to actually all have that talent, that talent too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah, we were, we were definitely fortunate. Yeah. You know, it was really great. Um, so in the early years, you guys were actually a different name and you started off and, and actually the, the you've seen, which is interesting. I want to talk about a little bit is you've gone through so many changes in the, in the music field. Like it's crazy the way it was like tape trading and now it's like Instagram. I mean, it's just gone <laughs> quite the oh, game yeah. for you. Yeah, completely different. I mean, I was heavily into the tape trading scene. I would buy a, uh, well, I'd get the Sunday paper app, you know, my dad would read it first. Yeah. So I'd get the paper and I'd look forever with had cassette tapes on sale. So I'd go buy, you know, you could usually, I think they came in a 10 pack or yeah, 12 like pack. TDK yeah. or something. Yeah, I did the yeah, same thing. TDK man. or Maxell, whichever one was on sale. I'd buy them and I'd uh, figure out what kind, you know, what kind of mixtape I'm going to put together that week. I'd hook up two decks, clean the heads, get my mom's typewriter, type the labels and just right? dump all day. I'd do that all day Sunday. And then Monday I'd head to the post office and mail off a whole round of tapes around the world. Did that every week. That is, that is so funny. I mean, a lot of people, I never did the mailing thing, but I used to make my own tapes and copy them and tra- trade them and everything else. I mean, it was a little different back then too, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think tape trading at the time, really was much more supportive of music because it wasn't cutting into the bootleg industry was not cutting into the finances of 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 the artists and let's face it the, the, you know mostly caught into cut into the pockets of the radio uh, record labels anyhow um the artists weren't really getting the, the good end of the deal anyhow um but, but to that point though it really supported the in the early years it was very much like punk it was like do it yourself yeah which is kind of like i think now like uh, how much are you involved in your stuff now though I'm, I'm sure you're still involved in doing a lot of promotion, a lot of, a lot of boots on the ground, talking to people yeah. like me in a podcast. This is, this is very kind of punk in a way where you're, you're, you're doing what you love. There's no money in this. It's, it's, 
right. this is pure, pure love. I, I love your band. I love your music. I listen to it. I want other people to listen to it. You know, it's just this a different way of doing it now. Yeah, we do it. Do it yourself until we're told to stop. I mean, sometimes we're sending out things and sending out posters or sending out and the record company will say, hey, you know, we're going to handle this in this one area. So if you can back off, but unless we're told to back off, we go in full do it yourself mode always. Well, that's, that's probably the best way to do it. Anyhow, I think yeah. there's a smaller market. I think, and what I think a lot of people have learned is that doing a smaller market thing has actually been more financial success for a band than, than doing this broad shot of trying to get everybody, you know, work, work your people, do your thing, be you, you know, that, so like when you guys start out, you guys were very strong and you guys, I think to me, I knew you guys early on. Uh, I'm 52. So like pretty much been following you most of my life, but you guys never broke huge, but you guys have always had like your peers respect. No one's like, it's funny. Cause like some bands will get dogged. Like most people, people are still to this day online will be like, yeah, they're a great band. They're a great band live. Check them out. Good albums. I don't see a lot of people dogging you guys. Do you ever notice that? It's like, you guys have a pretty good. It like, does happen. Rep. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, if you we go on the websites, rep. they will tear people apart. You know, you're one of the few bands. I don't really see people, you know, doing that. So I think, it's cool. Um, yeah. In, in some ways, we it's just luck, I think. We just luck. And in other ways, um, we've really put an emphasis on, on treating people right. You know, the fans, promoters. Um, we really try to put on a, a good show. We put a lot of effort into our releases. I mean, we we have a minuscule budget to work with. I mean, much tinier than everybody else. So we really, we got to compensate in other ways. So we really, we try harder. And so everybody after this, go to the website, support the band, get the music. Let's actually, we'll jump before I like to jump around a little bit, but let's talk about music and new music. You, you've been working on something. What, what, what we got, no, no, I got a, a signing. Let's talk about that. So people that aren't aware are a little to speed where you're at now. Well, we signed a, a new record deal a few months ago with Atomic Fire Records. And Atomic Fire is the old people from Nuclear Blast. Oh, really? It, nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they've been on my radar for decades. I remember we did a, a tour with Hammerfall and they were on Nuclear Blast and they had people at every tour stop promoting the band. I mean, they were working so hard to promote the band and we never had that kind of promotion. So I thought if I ever get a chance to work with these people, I'm going to jump on it. So we actually signed with Atomic Fire and right out of the gate, they've been great. You know, they're doing a lot of promotion, doing a lot of work for us. So we have a new album coming out. We actually finished the new album. We wanted to do this a little differently. So we wrote, recorded, finished the new album, had it completely ready to go before even chopped with labels. Because uh, I don't know, we just, you got to, make each record unique so any little thing you can do in my mm -hmm. mind any little thing you can do to make a record unique is going to be a bonus so this record's a concept album we did it on our own it's uh we actually spent more on this than any record we've ever done um, it was very ambitious and we shopped it to 10 labels and got nine offers really so uh that now, was... i'm not surprised about you as a band i mean it's not about talking about that it's just yeah. the industry is just like getting any kind of offer from anything nowadays is yeah. really phenomenal. Yeah. I, you know, we had talked as a band and we thought, you know, if we can get two or three offers would yeah. be big. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about all this. And I think the albums, I don't even know when it's coming out sometime 
spring I'm hearing. I don't know. I should probably know. But I don't you know. might want to know. Yeah. The people look forward to me time. You've got a lot of albums. Yeah. Go back and check out. Um, where do you think people should dig in? So hopefully we'll have some old fans. Well, hopefully we've got some new fans here. Where should a new fan jump in to check you guys out? Like, because you've had a few different singers and a few things. Luckily, you got your yeah. back to the same singer now. You're kind of really just like you're back on like your. It's like a big lap for you guys now. You, you've learned, you've grown. Like everyone's together. It just feels like it's really good now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you've established who you are. There's no, no. Everyone knows who you are. Well, that's a tough question, though. Which one would I suggest? I, I, God, that is so fan. hard. I would probably listen to something because we have we have so much of the fan base that said, oh, it's your old school stuff is the best. It's old school, old school. But then I talk to people that say, no, no, your newer stuff. So I guess if someone was going to just brand new check us out, I'd probably tell them to go to mid-period. Okay. And uh, make it like, easier. I'll make it easier. I'm sorry to me. How about this? Okay. One, for, one person who likes old school music, one person who likes newer stuff, and then one who's just kind of even new to like rock and metal. Oh, that yeah. That's okay, great... so that way, that's three different types of people that should okay. cover a lot. Oh, yeah. Much easier question. All right, yeah, all right. Old school, definitely ample distraction. Absolutely. Okay, uh, I hear that. The rec record we did when, you know, I think I was 18 or so when we recorded it, and and that's considered a cult classic, which I'm very proud of, and so that's really cool for me. Yeah. So yeah, old school people check out Ample Destruction. People that like um, newer metal, any of our last three albums, I would say, it just anything off of any of them. Probably Scourge of the Light is what I would go for. Okay. Um, anybody just new to rock and metal, I would probably go with our mid period, something off of Mechanized Warfare. I would say. Okay, this is pretty good. I wouldn't be, yeah, besides the first guess, I wouldn't even have an idea myself. I'm like, well, they're like, who are they? I'm like, well, first off, the name's a lot of fun. It's really fun to say. The band name is really yeah. fun to say. <laughs> My journey gets points. But I'm like, I really don't know because it's hard to tell, like, you know, where people go. Because what's interesting and I love about a band like yours is, is over time, you don't change in a way, but you also do have different sounds and different growth, like a Deep Purple and like in Metallica yeah. and, and like a lot of bands that have stood the test of time from the 70s and on the 80s on and still record. Sometimes the members change. Sometimes they come back. It's like a family. You you love, you hate, you love, you hate, <laughs> but it's a family. And, and, and the music changes a little bit, but it always still has that core of, of what you were. It's not like all of a sudden you did like a, a rap a rock album. And all of a sudden like it's wow, they're they're rap they're rap band now, or they're like new metal, you know. It's just who you guys are is who you are, but it's just different flavors. Yeah, I, I think we always have our early influences, which you know, our, our early strongest influence would have been Rainbow when we were in high school. Nice. And then Black Sabbath with Dio. Probably those two. So basically what Ronnie James Dio was singing on. That was our biggest influence when we're learning to write songs. Really? So I think I think that's who you need to look to when you look at somebody's influence. That's a songwriter is who influenced you when you were learning to write. And I really mean learning to write. I mean, I was listening to people and taking notes in a notebook. Oh, they did a bridge for eight bars. They did this. I just I really wanted to learn the craft. So I was doing that with uh, a lot of different styles of music, just trying to immerse myself in mm -hmm. songwriting and that, yeah, the biggest influence, definitely rainbow to Sabbath with Dio. That's great. I don't usually hear people say like, uh, 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 as an influence, everyone loves Ronnie just over everything, 
Yeah. But to say Ronnie Sabbath was a big influence early on for them, just because there's so many other bands at that time, because there was, well, there's Sabbath too, the regular first version of it. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. love it all. So I love Ronnie. I mean, I was lucky enough to see him perform live before he got sick. You know, did you ever get to play with him or meet him? Oh yeah. Yeah. Several times. Um, yeah. He was always a nice guy. We, um, we played with him, I think a couple times on festivals and um, yeah, I got to meet him several times. He's always, always a great guy. And I, his voice, I mean, I'm right? a huge fan. Yeah. Love it. What a powerful voice. I don't know if, if people ever saw him, if they can find some live stuff, he had the most powerful voice. I don't think he had a microphone in some, some venues. He was so strong and clear. Insane. Yeah. I remember when, uh, when he first joined Black Sabbath on the heaven and hell tour, tickets came out they played our city here which was shocking because usually bands would play you know like an hour and a half from us so they right. played in my city so uh the bass player john and i skipped school to buy tickets because tickets <laughs> went up on school day and we got our tickets and come home and i'm watching the news with my parents and they say coming up teenagers line up for black sabbath tickets Oh my God. So I had to act like the color was off on the TV so I can jump in front and block the picture <laughs> because I would not have gone to the show if my parents had seen me skip school. Oh, that is hilarious. But, uh, oh my, what a great gig. That was, uh, the gig was just, you didn't know the concert was going to stop. They're just kind of playing intro music and people are milling around. And then instantly the lights go off within a split second, a pale green light on Dio's face. And then he says, generals gathered in their masses. Then the whole building lit up in flashes. It was so cool. He was, that was him. And of course, obviously, um, Brian Johnson were like the first time for, for singers to come into bigger bands. Yeah. And, and, and fill the shoes without the, well, and without the, and this is actually, we can talk more about related to you too, as a band. When a band's established as a singer, people aren't always so forgiving about other oh, singers yeah. stepping in. Yeah, I'm sure you know about this firsthand yourself yep yep so like knowing and being a fan and seeing like well i like ozzy or whatever and i like you know now von scott but von scott passed and ozzy's just it didn't work out at the time you know what i'm saying life goes on these are also these are also great singers fantastic actually they they help bring it out as healthy because when two healthy musicians are together like want to do it it's going to produce good music right um what happened was it was how would you guys do with the challenge yourselves going through that was it yeah, it, it was tough. You know, I, I always want to move forward. I, I just mainly consider myself a songwriter. So I always mm -hmm. want to write songs to move forward. And yeah, when uh, Harry left because he had a chance to join Riot and we were huge Riot fans. So, you know, him being my friend was much more important than losing a singer. I just looked at it as one of my best friends my whole life has a chance to join this band we love. So there wasn't any bad blood or anything, and uh, so how, how old are you when you made when they made that grown up healthy decision? <laughs> <laughs> because that's so healthy and positive, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so we, you know, we had to find another singer, and uh, you know, we we did two other albums with different singers, and both guys did a great job. Mm -hmm. They were great guys, and they did a great job. But I think my songwriting is so centered around Harry Singh, the way Harry sings, yeah. because that's who I grew up with. I right. just walk up to his house and we get our guitars. And so, um, yeah, I think they're good records and the singer did, they certainly did a better job. I think they probably would have done better with somebody other than me writing their songs because 
I, I'm proud of what I did with them, but my stuff is a little catered exactly to Harry's voice. But that's, that's fair. I mean, how would the fans though? Um, the Distant Alliance album, everybody hated. I mean, that's I just got so much hate now. <laughs> the Chain of Command album is kind of split. Some people love it. And I still get people that love it. And we play some of the songs from it live. And it goes over really well. Um, there's always a lot of people that only wanted to hear Harry in the band. And, you know, I, I understand that. You know, that's that's fair. But, uh, yeah, hard. Chain of Command was, was pretty much split. Uh, Distant Alliance was uh, universally panned. Really? Because I kind of, there's some good spots in that. I liked it. I, I, you know, but back then I didn't have the internet to hear what his opinion. So to me, yeah. it's also looking back, talking to you about a time period where you can't go online and have a certain um, bunch of people, you know, beating you up or ragging about, this is bad. They want to do the singer. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like interesting to hear how you got it like in, in letters. <laughs> Yeah, well, I like to tell people you can't complain both ways because I see people complaining about music online. That's not a real band. That's not a real band. Well, mm -hmm. Jag Panzer is very much a real band. That is, this is not Mark Bridey's Jag Panzer. Everybody gets a decision. <laughs> so, Distant Alliance got a different sound because we had two guys in the band who are very much into much more modern heavy metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were very much into bands like Pantera and things like that. So them being in the band and contributing to the sound and contributing to the songwriting just made the record sound different. Panzera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. but he, And this is funny because you know, people say like um, you'll have a band and a band will come out and they'll get like you you being a guitar player, you write a lot of the songs, the lyrics, the music, whatever, and the people love it. And also the rest of the guys at band go, I want because well, if you write the songs, it's this where a lot of the money comes from because there's copyright and you know, yeah, you know that that's the thing. A lot of guys just right. don't care because they just want to tour or whatever. And this is happens to a lot of bands, and this is also to, more to everyone out there listening. And then the dynamic changes. This is in some bands, and then also the rest of the guys go, oh, I want a piece of that. And then also the next album doesn't sound the same all of a sudden. They're like, well, what's going on? They're selling out. There's that. It's not the same thing. Now, a you you don't have to have the same person writing. But if you put new people in the mixture, it's going to change the formula. It's going to change the soup. Yep. It's yep. going to change it. And it could be good or it could be bad or it could just be different. And, and as an artist and as a fan, you want to ultimately, I I believe, respect what, it, what an artist wants to do. I respect that Metallica did Lulu. I can't listen to it. But I'm also not going to bag him for trying something different and creative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I love I got Frank Zappa. Here. I love Frank Zappa. I do a lot of shows with Dweezil. There's a few albums on there, and even I mean, Doctor Dweezil talked about it. I can't listen to like Bingfish. <laughs> you, there's, there's so, but good for you. It's not me. I can't. I got nothing to, to compete. So to that point, when you brought in new people writing, it's you continuing to be an artist. So you can maybe not have to listen to it, but it, it's really get when people get crazy. It's that's the worst part, you know. Um, and the second part of that is a lot of good songs and, and songwriting. I think teams. That's usually when they do the best. Like it's the most comfortable. They feel like the most open, the most like this. And I always say, well, it's like Jagger and, and Richards or or McCartney, or whatever. And those are the two yeah. easy icons, right? I mean, because right, heck, right. Let's think of a song that they didn't write that didn't stink, right? <laughs> but or, or Page Plant. But then look at every other rock band. It's the guitar player and a the singer. There's usually a core members that are writing. Or, or Iron Maiden, you know, even over the years, it's kind of changed a little bit. Not just Harris, but you, you and Harry were the core members of the duo that created that sound. Yeah. You know, Lennon and McCartney at the band. So it's kind of come full circle again. 
which had to feel so great when you guys got back together again and started writing again, you know. When when grunge came about, how was that affecting you guys? How'd you guys stay? Because a lot of bands blew up and you guys survived. You know, I know there were bumps in the road, but you guys still didn't, you know, cash in. Yeah, I'm just personally never interested in in tailoring our sound to trends. You know, I would have bands here in town, you know, guys, friends of mine would talk to me and say, well, we're going to try to work in a more grunge sound. And, mm -hmm. and I'm always of the opinion, you know, do what you want in your own band. And I don't care what other bands do. And it's your business. But for me, I just, I, I'm only comfortable writing the kind of music that I write. You know, I, I'm sure I can listen to a grunge song and my ear can pick up what chord changes they're using. And then I could start right. to detect trends. And so I could probably you know, write a reasonable facsimile of a Nirvana song, but it's, uh, it wouldn't be from the heart. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be. So I, I just, I just, I just never, never let trends. There's always trends in music. I, I just don't let it influence me or I don't care to let it influence me. As a guy, easier or harder to write songs. Do you feel like you've gotten technically better? Of course. I mean, you're, you're a fantastic guitar player, um, but <laughs> when you were younger, though, but when you were younger, I'm not saying but your butt for your guitar playing, I'm saying, but when you were younger, you didn't feel like you heard all this music that's out there. Like, is it in your mind now? Now, or you've written so many albums, like you don't want to retrend yourself. Like, you do anything all the time. You know, I'm like, did I do something similar in this, this podcast or do something at work similar? Like, you, yeah. and, as, and you are still in entertainment, you don't want to feel like you're dishing out that same album. Oh, yeah. How's that feel for you for songwriting challenge? Yeah, that's definitely a concern. I think for me, songwriting gets harder. You don't want to repeat yourself. You don't want to rely on old habits. And, um, you know, we've got a new lead guitar player in the band. Well, he's been our touring guy for three years. So something conscious when uh, we were writing the new album is we have to carve out a space for him mm -hmm. to give his own playing. You know, we we encourage every new guy we ever get the band to be themselves and to bring their own sound and their own personality to the band so i that took me a while with songwriting is to adequately leave him enough space and he did a fantastic job filling that space i mean it was absolutely a plus that is that is good to hear now especially that answers my other question as far as being a guitarist and leaving room for somebody else because you've always been the main guy you know, do different times where it changes, it's been you. So if you'd be like, yeah, I can take the back seat and let somebody else come in and it's awesome. It's, it's really good. You know? Well, the other guy, the other, we're always a two guitar band except for the first rep, the first EP. But yeah, the other guy we have is always a, a far better technical player than myself. So I don't, I don't have any ego attached to leaving giant spaces on the record for another guy. <laughs> what is the process for songwriting now for you guys? Well, we changed it up a little bit for the new record. Um, the new process is uh, I would do a demo, mm -hmm. write the complete song. Um, I'd have some, I, you know, I'd write guitar parts, uh, bass parts, rudimentary drum parts. I, I wouldn't waste my time writing intricate fills, but, you know, I know how to write for drums. So I'd write the kind of beats I'd want to see and how I want to see it structured. And I would do the demo completely myself in my own studio and I would have some ideas for vocal lines, but I would hide those. I would only bring them out. It's like break in case of fire. <laughs> this is break in case we need these vocal lines. So 
the way we do it now is I send them to our drummer who sort of become the musical director. And then he'll come back and he'll say, well, I'm going to do this a little differently in the drums and I'm going to extend this a little differently. So him and I will work out a demo and he will lay down real drum parts. And at that point in time, we'll give it to our vocalist, Harry, who is then is going to lay down a lyrical content and we'll usually have a discussion about the lyrics and then he'll lay down a vocal line. And if we give him the green light, he'll lay down a studio quality vocal line with some occasional backing vocals or anything. And then we, we turn it over to bass and lead guitar at that point in time. And everything is filtering through our drummer as his role of musical director. That's really cool. I've never heard a band do it like that. I mean, they may, but I've just never actually heard, especially the guitar player and the drummer coordinating that. Yeah. Is and, it, uh, how long have you done that for each albums? Have you done it any other albums prior? Yeah, we've, we've actually been doing this for about the last seven or eight albums, except our, our drummer, this new album, he took the much more active role in being sort of the hub in okay. all the material. So in the past, um, Right before this new album, some of the albums, we actually wouldn't hear the real drum parts until we were recording the album because he was just sort of inputting. So we we wanted to change that. So that's why we moved him into the, the musical director role. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I went to a recording studio before earlier in my career. And uh, so the geek, the geek in me really, really likes to know the songwriting and the production process also. And listening back and thinking back, listening to the albums now, because if we talk, I'll go back and I'll listen to it again. I'll be like, all right, yep. You know, after taking everything you've given and going back and thinking about it more and processing. So I'm, I'm super excited about the new album. What's it called? The, the Hollowed? The Hollowed, yeah. Cool name. Can you, are you sharing the concept at all? Is that a top secret or? Yeah, it's a, um, it, you know, it's a, a different concept. But the first thing we decided is what we didn't want to do. We didn't want anything political and we didn't mm -hmm. want any type of uh, spy intrigue or any Mission Impossible or Jack Reacher or Bond or any anything <laughs> like that. Um, Reacher. <laughs> so, and, and this is where everybody in the band would give you a little different answer. What I wanted is I wanted a really old school adventure story like a Ray Harryhausen film when I mm -hmm. saw one. Like a uh, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad or Jason and the Argonauts or Clash of the Titans or one of those. So I wanted something like that, a cool adventure story. So what the concept is, is it's a uh, frozen apocalyptic worlds, frozen and just very inhospitable. And you have a group of five people and they've trained animals to work with them to either do surveillance or hunt or provide security. And they're looking for this mythical place called the hallow that they don't a place of warmth. They don't even know if it's uh, if it's real or not. So they're looking for that. The, the group of the people with the animals and um, the beginning of the story, the animals are very much on board with the people that as the story goes along, the uh, animals start to get their own ideas of how things should be done. What an so awesome you, concept. Yeah. So you start seeing a split. Um, in the meantime, you run into some unusual creatures in that environment. There's a, a creature called um, they're known as the jaw uh, they're similar to a, a hyena, but they can uh, stand upright and attack and a pounce down. So you actually hear them on the record. They have this really creepy howl. Um, you have a creature they call the swarm who lives in the, they're, they're almost like a giant bat. And they live in these old uh, abandoned skyscrapers. 
So, um, yeah, that's it's basically an adventure story of this group of people and the animals trying to get to the hallowed. That sounds and, awesome. Yeah, we have a companion uh, comic book. That's going to ask you right there, because that sounds like that sounds like it should be a comic, a book, a movie. And the actual album lyrics are all written from the point of the animals. The comic is written from the point of the humans. What? So you can listen to the album and look at the comic and see what's going on. But it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, that perception is a little different yeah. on this one event. Who came up with this concept of, of all this? Uh, the double ideas, the double perspectives, the... It was our drummer and singer had the initial concept. And then we all started talking about, and we were all had a group chat online, a private chat, which ended with like 9,000 messages in it. And I'm being completely serious over 9,000 messages, but every day it was like, well, what happens in the story? And, you know, some of the people in the band were just going, tell me what happens next where other people are contributing ideas. And then it really, the whole idea came together over about six weeks and it was mainly the drummer myself and Harry who uh, finally formed the whole story and concept. Wow. There might be some, some writers in you guys too. There might be some books <laughs> or something. It was fun doing the comic. I, I have fun sometimes just jumping into things. So I had no idea how to do a comic. So I wrote the comic storyboard and I did some sketches and I started auditioning comic book artists. I probably looked at about 40 guys and I hired somebody and gave them some sketches and then contacted a printer. Hey, can you do a comic book? Yeah, here's what we need. So um, yeah, that was a big learning experience. But the comic book came out, I think in October. And yeah, it's, it's half gone now. I actually quit selling it for a bit because it was taking so much of my time packing up the comics, driving them to the post office. But yeah, half of them are gone now even before the album's out. That's awesome. Congratulations. I'll have to check it out then before it's too late. Um, that's usually not what I'm on to, but that sounds really incredible. Uh, the fact that you started doing a comic and just went into the selling comics is just also <laughs> kind of really kind of crazy. Uh, well, so the, a lot of this concept, a lot of this, this would also help probably was during this, this downtime, right? During COVID. Yeah. That gave you guys a little more room to think of concepts, take your time, mix it up, write, yeah, a, write a comic. <laughs> Yeah, and, and work on, you know, T-shirt ideas and things like that. You know, I had uh, I had another artist do, because um, this I was searching for artists who does cool monsters. And as I found a guy, he was great. He's a young guy. I think he's like 20. And I, where is he at? I think he's in Indonesia. I'm not sure. He's a great monster artist. So I had him do, uh, do the jaw and the swarm. So we've got uh, T-shirts and everything. And so yeah, the downtime let me do all that uh, stuff that we kind of neglected in the past that we probably should have been doing because mm -hmm. people always ask, why not more shirts? Why not this? So we're on top of it this time. Now, hopefully you can keep up with it, right? In the future. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I know I, I did. I did one day of shirt sales last month. Yeah, that went crazy. And I, you know, I have to tell people, you got to realize I'm here myself bagging these up and writing the labels and driving them to the post office. So you have to give me a few days before I get everything shipped. Right. I mean, and it's a good problem to have too, because yeah. you're in control of your merch. And, yeah. and one thing I say a lot to people, if people hear me say it a lot, I apologize, but it's something if you're new, a fan of the band, when a band goes to a club or a show, usually they, they usually get like 20 to 30% of their merch sales. So the band even loses yeah. money 
on top of having put money out on the shirts to begin with and helping someone sell the shirts and in yep. the gas in the trailer, pulling the shirts behind them. So if, if you can buy a shirt or merch from an artist online on Facebook at the website, whatever they're selling it, the artist gets the profit hundred percent, you know? Oh yeah. It's our biggest and, and, and support and support the artist doing that. That's the best way to do it. I'm not saying don't buy that at a concert. If you're there, you're there, but if you have the opportunity and you can choose buy it from the artist directly. Yeah, I agree. And that, you know, if you want to, yeah, if you want to help the artist, you know, with kind of get along with their success and help them move forward, that's absolutely the best way, buy them direct. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and if they're coming, see them, because they might not come back again. We've learned if, if anything should scare people is how COVID came about and changed things. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, and, and, and you can't be like, oh, I'll see them next time. Well, guess what? There might not be a next time because A, maybe it's not the fans. It's not the economy. is not worth it for them to stop in your town. Or, or something could happen, or, or health, or whatever. If you like a band, if you can do it, support them, go to the show. <laughs> yeah, and we um, we really have little control over where we play. I mean, we've got two tours. We've got a tour coming up in about a week and a half, and then we've got another tour in August, and both are European tours. You know, when people are asking, when are you coming to the U.S.? Well, that's, that's a big task, because you've got to coordinate dates all across the U.S., and so you, you've got to make it all work. You can't cherry pick. I mean, right. I love playing Cleveland. You know, it's like my favorite place to play in the U.S., but I, I can't just say we're going to play Cleveland. I mean, there <laughs> the tour of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a uh, maybe a Pittsburgh show around there or Chicago show. I mean, it's got to be all coordinated. So it really isn't up to me where we play. And it's hard for an artist because in Europe, metal's always been pretty much solid. In a lot of good places. Yeah. In the U.S., it's picky, and it, and you need to travel and pay for gas and make it financially worth it every single day. So there are spots that aren't strong for metal, yeah, and and it hurts travel and it hurts the cost of the band, the production, and everything else. And that's just things people don't think about, and that's why I just say, please, if they can do it, go support them, buy yeah. their, sell their stuff out, buy other stuff, you know. Yeah, our lot. We did a U.S. tour right before COVID, and. Um... Yeah, it, it was a successful tour for us, but man, doing it was, I got a hold of a hotel chain and, and just said, can I get a corporate rate if we book in every city? So we did that. We didn't take a crew with us. So we set up all of our own gear, our own drums and everything. Uh, we drove ourselves. I, you know, hunted down the cheapest place to rent a van and yeah, and it, it ended up working well, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough on a band nowadays. It's a different hustle. And it's, it's funny. I was talking to a guy, uh, in a punk band and he did the same thing he is a gold member or whatever one of the, ch- the hotel changed mm-hmm. and then he's talking about he's like he's like i got tickets for the yankee red sox games he goes i just got a vacuum cleaner and the idea of a punk guy getting a vacuum cleaner from his hotel deals is <laughs> like the funniest thing and the, the best thing to me because you're working a system you know yeah that's the yeah, new world and yeah you know band members always ask me hey mark are you a hilton member yeah you, yeah. you and Mary, yeah. <laughs> what about this this rental car company? Yep, I'm an Advantage member, and I'm yeah. You have to do that. It, I mean, every every buck saved can take you to another city. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And the, they used to be like trashing hotels. Now it's like, which hotel is going to have the best deal for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which has free breakfast? I mean, that's yeah. huge for us. That's that is. I, I want to I want to thank you for taking some time today. I want people to check you out. Um, oh, thank you. Well. I don't know how many people on my audience knows who you are, but I hope they do. That's why we didn't go too deep into the music and other stuff. I could have geeked out, but I don't think I don't want to lose anybody. I wanted people to get excited about 
who you are as an artist and a person, you know? Uh, yeah, I th I've, I've always, I think we're fairly unknown, actually. I think that I'm always, you know, even in this day and age, at my age, I'm always running into people. I ran into somebody at a party, you know, a couple months ago that's a big fan of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and never heard of Jag Panzer and then listened and then got back, told me, wow, this is great. And he went and yeah. bought the album. So, I mean, I can't ask. That's really cool for me. Well, that's what it's all about. I mean, I know there's other shows that people can talk really, I could have gotten into your other music, but it really wouldn't have been helpful for people that aren't aware of who you are. You know, yeah. it's, it's later on. I, I, maybe we can get you back though. Once your album comes out, I get to geek out and dig into it. We can talk. Yeah, that'd be it. fun. We'll break it down a little bit and, and push the album for people to check it out. Okay. Hi, man, I want to thank you for being on the show. This has been the best. Oh yeah. This was fun. I liked it. Okay. I had a good time.